Hello and welcome to another episode of Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B, and joining me today is a returning guest from many, many moons ago, Mr. Aaron Silva. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. So, this is a big old throwback to the very first episode that we ever recorded of the podcast, but it's been a long time coming, and after much hype, much pushback, and much everything else in between, Persona 5 finally came out. Woo! And we beat it. Yes, we did. Very quickly. It was, it was basically a full-time yeah. job for both. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so, if you haven't played Persona 5, we're going to do you a solid. The first half of this podcast is going to be all of the stuff that we can talk about generally, so that there's not any particularly big spoilers that you have to deal with as far as that goes. Uh, while the second half of the podcast is going to be exclusively all the spoilery shit. So if you haven't actually played the game, we'll give you a nice warning saying, hey, you can stop listening here, and then you can come back to it later once you've actually played through the game. So if you want to know about our opinions and general observations, the first half will be for you. If you've beaten the game, on the other hand, you can listen to the whole goddamn thing. Knock yourself out. Through the miracles of post-editing, I'm actually going to step in here to clarify that statement a bit. Originally, we had intended upon dividing the podcast into two separate sections, the part that you could listen to with no spoilers, and the part that you could listen to to be spoiled, or if you had already played through the game. But we ended up going for about three-plus hours of recording, and ultimately I decided that we were going to split them up into two separate podcasts that would be released individually. And then, at some point during the process, uh, Aaron's recording equipment took a shit, and now we don't have any of the spoiler stuff actually recorded. So we're going to re-record that at some point in the near future for next week's podcast, and this week's podcast is going to be whatever I was able to salvage from all of that recording stuff. So, enjoy. So with that in mind, let's start off with just general opinions. Just, in general, what did you think of the game, Aaron? I really loved it uh i you know i'm not a persona what's the word here uh expert i guess i've only played part of three i've played the crap out of four and now this and i felt this was a natural progression for the series and it's amazing yeah i i kind of have to agree i had some issues with where it was going before it came out like I didn't I didn't like the aesthetic of it. it. It's clearly borrowing to a certain extent from the engine used for Catherine, from the aesthetic used for Catherine. And I was not the biggest fan of Catherine ever. So that wasn't great. I basically had reservations just because of how long it took to get to Persona 5, how long it took for the game to actually come out once we had a definitive idea where we were going with it. The fact that Sega got involved again with the process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, it, it turned out there really wasn't any need to worry about it. The game is basically amazing in all possible respects. There has been much ado made over the fact that the translation of the game is weird a bit. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I kind of expected that that was going to be a thing that happened. I didn't think they were going to have the pronunciation problems that they had, which Josh pointed out in the first stream that we did, but I've also heard from many other people, i.e. they say the names wrong, purposefully wrong. Like, this was 
some type of an actual edict handed down from Atlas Japan for no good goddamn reason that anybody can figure out. It's weird, and people are kind of wondering why in the hell this happened. And that confuses me, but otherwise, I kind of expected that we were going to get an exactly literal translation of the game. So, while I wasn't super thrilled with the fact that that thing happened, you know, a, a bunch of y'all motherfuckers wanted that, so, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean... I didn't hate it, but I wasn't super thrilled about it. I mean, I, I kind of like the literal translation. I kind of really get annoyed when they, when they do localization things, and it just always turns out awkward. Like, uh, was it the, the Third Ace Attorney game, where she suddenly goes, I guess we know whose milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And I was just at, at a loss for words for several minutes after that thought, so I'm glad nothing like that got in here. You know, you get a few... Fair awkward sentences here or things that don't necessarily make sense to us because we're not from that culture but you know for crying out loud we're playing a game about people in japan it should they should act how they would in japan that is fair though I, we've already had that i've already had that conversation with sean madsen so yeah. i'm not going to drag all of that up here but m my opinion on this is generally well known i do not care for localization that throws in timely pop culture jokes because that shit wears your game out and dates it way more than it has any right to. But I do feel like localization definitely has some value, especially when they're talking about various shogi pieces in the game. And literally the only way the player would possibly be able to answer that is by looking up a guide online or by, you know, pushing the button that they put in that allows you to look at the answer in advance so you can make a decision based on what everybody else picked. Because otherwise, you know, no player is going to correctly get the the individual values of the shogi pieces based on the kanji associated. Like, it's, it's localization has a value in that regard because while it's nice to see these Japanese characters living their Japanese life, what the fuck do I know about shogi? Well, the only thing I can say that is sometimes it's fun to learn. Some random stuff. I mean, but it's like it's like trivia for us. Dude, Shogi's boring as fuck. It is the least interesting version of chess that has ever existed. Uh, it it would need to be if they you know had decided to just make a bunch of little flat pieces. It seems like they went out of their way to make that as boring as possible, doesn't it? Which is probably the I mean, why I suppose, but like the whole thing with her was that she turned into the Game of Thrones. That's that's. Fair, though I feel like I feel like we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves <laughs> on that part, but that's that's fair. That's fair. I just beyond the localization issues, I generally have no issues with the game. I have seen people object to certain things, and let's be clear, I do find it concerning that you know it is 2017, and yes, I know current year argument. Fuck off! I don't care. It's 2017, and we have this repeating goddamn gay joke in the game, when Atlas knows full well this game is going to territories outside of Japan. And it, Really, guys? Really, do we need this? Was this necessary? Okay. I mean... Fuck do I know. At least, like, it was barely there. Like, I mean, if you walk up to them and talk to them, you could see it multiple times, but in terms of the story itself, it was like, what, two scenes? That huge improvement. I'm 
I still don't understand why they followed these guys to fucking Hawaii, though. That was fucking just unfortunate. <laughs> because... Like, you know, if, if it had just been a one-and-done thing, you know, fine. But they followed you to Hawaii? Really? I'm pretty sure those guys are pedophiles. Well, that might be something and believes. I don't know. That that might have been intentional. Yeah, that's 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 not a th yeah, that's not a thing I wanted to have to think about in my Atlas yeah. game. Not a thing I wanted to have to fucking deal with. I mean, okay, so localization took a hit. Wasn't super thrilled with the gay jokes. Beyond that, honestly, I really don't have any complaints about the game. I've seen people make mention that they felt that the game is like one dungeon too long, which this game is shorter than Persona 4, so I don't even know what the fuck you're on about. Or that, you know, that there's like one character too many, which you get basically the same amount of characters, arguably one more than you get in Persona 4. So again, it's just like, like, I feel like the game does everything it needs to do. It says everything it needs to say. I have a couple of minor issues with the story that we can get into after the fact. But... I mean, for the most part, I feel it hits. I, I am a little curious about something you, something you just said, though. Like, shorter than Persona 4? Yes. Huh. How many hours it, it did it take you to beat that game? It, I beat it in 81. I think my first playthrough of Persona 4 took me 70. Really? And I played through roughly the same way. Like, I didn't try to fill out my uh, compendium in the first run or anything like that. So... I feel like... I feel like... It basically is around the same length of Persona. I, I feel like my issue with that is that it felt to me as though, like, people were saying that it took, like, you know, X amount of time. And my first run through of Persona 4 took, like, over 100 hours. Hmm. So people were showing, like, you know, the time that they spent going through the game as being, like, so much less. Perhaps it is just that I took more time beating Persona 4 than others. I, I would think so. I mean, Persona 4 also had, like, its side activities took longer to go through. Like, the fishing in that was, like, a lengthy pain in the ass. Whereas the fishing in this, I think I did it twice, and it took less than a single fishing trip in Persona 4. I feel like, especially if you compare it to just the core Persona 4 experience, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that you don't need to do, but it's nice to have it there. Like... I never did any of the batting cage shit except like once to test it and once on the live stream. I did not jump into a lot of the activities that they had available for you to do for boosting up your stats and whatnot. And I think I studied with people like once or twice, maybe. And that's about it. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that was incorporated in from Persona 4 or Persona 4 Golden, I should say that like, you know, the original Persona 4 just did not have it. It, it feels like a game where there's a lot to do, but you don't necessarily need to do all of it, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I didn't even realize that you could go to that one shop and buy a drink that would boost your stat until way into the game. So there's just so much junk going on that you can discover if you're just if you bother to look around. But I think once you looked around, like you can move through that game pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's it's the game leaves you open to do whatever it is that you want to do with it. So there's a thing that you can do later on where you can buy and repair a laptop. And I didn't discover that until like two weeks before the end of the game. Yeah. And it was like, oh, when the fuck did this become available? I think I bought it, but I never bought the repair kit or something stupid like that. So it never it did anything for me. 
yeah, I ended up repairing it on my second, on my, like, the very end of my first playthrough. And, like, it, it's neat. It's a neat thing to do. But it's just, like, the game has so many different things that it just, like, it never really actively goes out of its way to draw your attention toward. Yeah. Like, they exist, and they're there, and you can find them if you look around. But there are, like, multiple different zones that you can just go into and do stuff in that you may completely miss out on half the stuff you can do in those zones. Like, I never went in the maid cafe at all. You didn't miss anything. That's what I'm told. It's definitely, like, when you compare it to Persona 4, just, like, the city is bigger than the town, like, to, to such a degree that it definitely feels like there's so much more to do. Well, yeah, but it's it's also much bigger than Persona 3, if you think about it, even though that's also a pretty big city as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, I would hope that over over time that they would be able to make the city bigger. Oh, yeah, definitely from a tech perspective, you can do yeah. that. It's just interesting that there's so much to do that you kind of get lost in the idea of, wow, there's there's like a hundred different things I could be doing at this point. What should I do? Like, if you check and see what did everybody do on this day, like there's often like 10, 15 different activities that are listed and you're just like, fuck, that doesn't help me at all. Which is funny because when you get to like the new game plus and you have no interest in doing those side activities anymore, it feels like there's nothing to do. Because you like if you can't hang out with somebody for a confidant or a social link, all of a sudden, you feel like, shit, there's nothing I can do. I guess I'll go eat a burger. Yeah, I can kind of see how that would be an issue. Though, I didn't get all of the trophies the first time around. So I feel like from a replay value perspective, I still have all of these different books that I can read. Or, you know, I can I can go and collect, like, different stuff that I missed out on. I can, again try out the maid cafe that I never did. Like, I feel like yeah. this is definitely a game that offers you more options for a second playthrough than even, like, Persona 4 Golden really did, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've also, like, would just... If there's no one I can hang out with to advance the social link, I might just go and talk to somebody who I've already maxed out with and take them to a different location to see if something happens or if I get some random new knickknack for my shelf. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. And that night, you know, if there's a, a night, like, I, I take the whoever I'm dating out and see whatever the hell happens with that. It's usually nothing too exciting, but at least it's there. Yeah, it's nice to be able to, like, you have these options to do things with people that you're dating. And, like, to a certain extent, they had that in Persona 4, but they were far less developed, I think. Could you actually hang out with somebody after you already maxed out knowing that? Yes, there was the ability, like, you'd go up to somebody and it would say, like, you know, I know you could do it in Persona 4 Golden, I'll put it that way, where you could interact with somebody and you could do stuff. It wasn't, I don't think, particularly involved, but they had that option to huh. interact with these people to one extent or another. But you, you probably couldn't invite them to specific locations. Well, there weren't really specific locations. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that's that's also a neat thing about what this game has, like, it it has a lot in terms of raw location, raw aesthetics. So it's, yeah, okay, sure, a big part of that is the fact that, you know, they're in Tokyo, which is neat. Like, and they give you so many different location options that you can go to because of the fact that you're in Tokyo, which, again, neat. I appreciate that. But it's a good idea. I feel like it probably needed a little bit more reigning in as to how the game chose to do it 
Yeah, I probably would say it needed a little less of that. Like, I, I, I rather I wanted more depth to those locations. Like the fact that you have Akihabara and it's like nothing, just feels kind of a letdown. But like, you, there's a theme park. I want to walk around a theme park or actually invite someone to go on a ride or something like that. I'm hoping that they'll do something with that later on down the road. But I, you know, I, I kind of found felt let down by it in a way that it was cool that it was there. It was a hell of a lot better than what I had seen before, but it felt like there was just like another extra step missing before it turned into something just truly amazing that you would say, well, this is why you have to get this game to somebody who care. Well, I, to be fair, I feel like none of the, none of the modern personas are going to be games that have a specific feature or function in them. They're going to get you to that point of, here's the thing that makes this worth owning if you don't like any of the other stuff involved, you know? Like, it's still, at its heart, like, a dungeon-crawling JRPG that where a not insignificant amount of your time is spent talking to people. That's going to have, like, a certain cutoff point for who's going to be interested in it. You know, if you're not really into the type of battle mechanics that the game offers, or if you're the sort of person that just does not like JRPGs in general... Though Yahtzee liked it, oddly enough. So maybe that's not entirely correct. That, that was hysterical. Yeah, like, that was the closest I've ever seen him get to, like, liking something that he was so clearly predisposed to hating since, oddly enough, the world ends with you. Hmm. So, like, I mean, it, it definitely has, like, wide appeal to it, but I just, I don't think you're going to immediately jump into this game... You're, you're, there's nothing that they could really could add to make this game worthwhile to somebody who looked at Persona 3 and Persona 4 and said, nah, you know? Yeah. I don't. I really don't think that Persona 5 is going to sell you on the concept of Persona as a thing if you didn't like 3 and 4. But then again, you know, there's Yahtzee saying, holy shit, this game is, is, is you know, better than you would have expected him to think. And, you know, Joel, somebody who, Mr. J. Rose somebody who spent some time with Persona 3 and did nothing with Persona 4, once he saw the aesthetics of Persona 5, was immediately on board and wanted to play it. Just, you know, for whatever reason, it getting to the PlayStation 4 level was what he had been waiting for, I guess. So he liked how Catherine looked. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, I wouldn't even call it necessarily PlayStation 4 level because I don't necessarily find the graphics are all that impressive at all. Like, I mean, you could even see spots in the game where they just painted on some, like, blurry watercolor texture. Like, on the subway train in particular. Like, if you look behind them, or behind him inside the train, it's just a muddy random texture without, with, with, like, vague circles for, like, heads and stuff like that. Which, you know, kind of fits with some of the aesthetic, but it, it is kind of funny to see in a 2017 game that's supposed to be a, you know, triple-A title. Like, I get where you're coming from. And I do understand that point. My, like, I feel like it generally looks pretty damn good, all things considered. Oh, yeah, I, no, the art is fantastic. I'm not going to even try to say that it doesn't look fantastic. I just, like, in, in terms of its technical prowess, it it's, doesn't necessarily feel like it's at a PlayStation 4 level. Yeah, and it's, it's, I feel like it's impressive, and I feel like it does what I would want from a PlayStation 4 game in general. Okay. I definitely do feel like it's not a heavy tech pusher, per se. Like, I don't 
I don't feel it's maximizing the overall potential of what the PlayStation 4 can do. And there are definitely moments that, you know, feel like that they, they fit in for the PlayStation 3 perfectly fine. But I do feel like they brought the game by and large up enough that it feels like it's consistent and competent on the PlayStation 4. And as you had said, the, the artistic merit in this game makes up for a hell of a lot. Like, oh, yeah. I would forgive this game for its visuals being somewhat worse just because of how strong the aesthetic on the game is. I mean, like, the, the little texture thing I was talking about, like, I would criticize a different game more for that. Like, I barely care for Sony 5. <laughs> like, I just yeah. noticed it, and I, I kind of giggled because it was just so funny looking compared to the rest of the game. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about taking a point away from it. For it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, they loved this game, and you can tell that they, they loved this game, that this game was very much a labor of love and adoration, and that they put their heart and soul into making this game the best possible game that it could be. Not just, you know, structurally, but aesthetically and artistically as well. Like, everything is pretty much brand new for this game. The assets are all pretty much brand new. I was going to say, you, you don't put so much effort into the menu screens for a game. Unless you give that, unless you really care for it. Like, yeah. it is insane. And it's not even just the menu screens. You know, like, them jumping out of battle with the little running animation that they have the character do to go on to, you know, to go back into the zone. It's little shit like that, that that gives the game all the difference in the world. It's It tries to make the game feel as seamless as it possibly can. From the moment where you initiate battle and you, you know, either get knocked on your ass or you rip the mask off the monster, and it just instantly transitions into a battle scene to you jumping out of battle via a running animation where you just, like, run back into position. It's a lot of attention has been put into trying to make this game feel as seamless as it possibly can to give the game that sort of immersion that JRPGs in general probably don't have as much of as they would like to. It it really wants to be a world that exists, a world that is itself. And this is the most effort that I have seen put into doing this kind of thing from any game. Yeah, I think that's fairly fair, especially when we're talking about just, I think, even the dungeons and stuff like that. I mean, it, 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 it's pretty impressive just what they were willing to do that, you know, most developers don't even think about. Yeah. Like, you, you play, like, especially the menu, the battle system, just the way it's designed on the screen, it sort of splashes on there. Like, n nobody thinks about stuff like that. It's usually just some bland-looking box on the corner of the screen. Yeah. Like, to the fact, to the point where the players don't even, you know, care about it. All of a sudden, you just notice it because it's just, it's just there, and it is impressive as hell looking. Yeah, it pops, and it not only does it have an aesthetic, it has an aesthetic that actually matches the rest of the aesthetic in the game. Like it's not just that it looks interesting; it's that it specifically looks interesting within the confines of the game universe. Like everything matches, everything fits. Yep, that is, that is definitely <laughs> the case. Talking about Persona 5 in comparison to its predecessors, I I do feel like 
Atlas kind of realized that they had the majority of the systems down pat, and I feel like this is them kind of applying all of the stuff that they knew worked to a brand new engine and then saying, okay, we know all of this works. We, we don't necessarily need to do a lot of fine-tuning here. What can we fine-tune from an aesthetic and artistic level? And I feel like you can kind of see how a lot of the core game mechanics brought over from 3, from 3 Portable, from 4, from 4 Golden, basically come over more or less intact and like that they don't really do a lot of fine-tuning or tweaking because they've had, you know, four games at this point to make that right. Yeah, they definitely don't seem to have done too much there. They, they, they've they done, like, some fine-tuning. But it definitely felt like they just went all out on the polish with this one. Yeah, like, I mean, they did add in, what I, I want to say, three new types of damage, but it's not even necessarily three new types of damage because... You know, one of the two, one of the three types of damage was borrowed wholesale from Persona Three with the three different melee attacks. Now it's just they took one of those three and made it into gun, more or less. But you still have two new magical effects in nuclear and psionic, and it doesn't like it doesn't really change much except that it gives enemies new potential weaknesses that they can have. But I just I found it interesting that. You know, like the the same the same weakness setup existed more or less the same as it did. The fact that your characters are no longer strong against a specific element, but have like the ability to have higher evade against specific elements to keep things balanced in the late game made the transition over from four golden. Like I noticed that they changed the effect of some spells like Victory Cry, for example, no longer fully replenishes your HP and MP at the end of battle, because I guess they realized Wow, that's breaking fucking everything on New Game Plus. So that doesn't work the way it used to anymore. But by and large, like it just it just felt like they knew they had a good thing from four golden and just stuck with it. Now I may be misremembering, but were there actual blessing curse attacks that just did straight up damage in Persona Four? Not in Persona Four. No. That is that is also a thing that they added, which I actually like quite a bit from an elemental exploitation perspective, because with instant death attacks, if an enemy was weak to that, you couldn't hit their weaknesses. You just killed them. Yeah. So here it gives you the ability to actually just aim to hit the weakness instead of aiming for an instant death, which has a higher chance to succeed but can still fuck up and doesn't even give you the benefit if you do manage to get it to go off because it just kills them. Well, then it's just another spell that someone might not be strong against. Yeah. I mean, they do still have the instant death techniques, which I appreciate, and I really don't think we need to get into, you know, having multiple different element values worth of instant death attacks. Oh my god. But I do like the option to exploit... Yeah, like fucking wind <laughs> instant death. Go fuck yourself. Gust I don't need wind. that shit. Ugh. And it's... I appreciate that they left the instant death in, mostly. Oh yeah, until you, uh... Get, until, until you just get into a nice little string of game over here. Yeah. Then you hate it. Fuck the Reaper. Fuck the Reaper. Just in general, fuck the Reaper. Oh, yeah, I'm not messing with him until flu season. Even then, like, it's just really frustrating that they put you into a situation where this guy will just spam instant death attacks. And it's really amusing to me because if you buy the DLC costumes, 
one of the sets of the DLC costumes comes with an accessory that nullifies Bless and Curse. So it's like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> okay. Fuck you. Which one is that? Because maybe. <laughs> I don't 100% know at this point. Oh. I, I, I can look at it later and tell you. I do not remember which one it is off the top of my head, though. I can probably look it up myself as well. There are no end of Persona 5 videos on YouTube. Yeah, that's not really a surprise. I'm pretty sure there... Well, I'm sure that there are probably still some from the Japanese version that didn't get purged, but that honestly wouldn't be a surprise to me. I feel like, also, by and large, I would say that this is probably the best Persona game of the lot, and I don't say that lightly. I really do still think Persona 4 is, you know, really, really good, especially Persona 4 Golden. But I feel like Persona 5 hits on all of the beats it needs to narratively. And everything else about the game is, you know, just absolutely, just completely ethers everything from 3 and 4. I'm close to there. I, I definitely feel it, it is definitely far superior in terms of mechanics. Everything just feels right. Uh, Story-wise, I'm torn. I do have my issues. And I think, like, do you do you have anything in specific that you can bring up that's not spoilery? I, I think there was just uh, several events in the game where I just felt it was letting me down. Where it seemed like something cool could happen, and it didn't. And I'm partially afraid that's because we're going to see that in, like, a re-release down the line. Or something like that. Mm. I also just formed an immediate connection with the Persona 4 cast that, that any sequel would have trouble... You know, it's like a first love type situation. Everything has to measure up to it. So it's hard to have something that necessarily surpasses it in your head. There's like a barrier that has to be crossed. And it, it might happen. I mean, I'm on my second playthrough. And time will tell. But I'm not quite there necessarily to say that for certain. No, that's definitely fair. I I mean, I have a couple of minor issues with the narrative. I do, I do feel like there is a a big morality question here that didn't exist in three and four and didn't really get answered that that's no i i've had that come up in a lot of games recently and it just keeps pissing me off more and more yeah like i i feel like there will be moral questions that the game assumes it either doesn't need to answer or that it has answered sufficiently and persona 5 in particular does a thing that it doesn't really address. Like, the idea of how the Phantom Thieves operate is that they go into people's souls, more or less, and they change their heart. They steal their heart. And, you know, for, for people who are particularly awful, they fix that. And the game broaches the question of, is this okay, more than a few times, but it kind of sort of justifies it in an these people are fucking awful so they deserve it kind of way. But it still never really answers the question of, you know, shouldn't we have a problem with the idea that these people are going in and basically brainwashing other people? And I have an issue with the fact that the game doesn't really seem to have an answer beyond saying, well, it's justified in this case because this guy or girl is a dick. And it's just really... All right. That seems weird. It, it seemed like they wanted to go there, or rather, it seemed like it was definitely heading towards a real discussion on it. 
And because, because the character showed apprehension for the, the first person they were going after, they, they showed some serious apprehension as to whether or not they should really go forward with this. Especially when they found out that there were potential risks involved. And then, they, you know, the bad guy, something happened that causes a repercussion that they're like, okay, never mind. He, he's evil. We have to stop him now. We're fools forever stopping to consider this, you know? Yeah, and that happens, like, pretty much every time the first couple of times they do it. Like, afterward, they're just like, well, we know what we're doing, and there's no negative repercussions, so it's fine. And then they just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And they're like, you know, like, once they come to the point where they're like, well, there's, you know, the person's probably not going to die. Like, any negative repercussions that they have about it go out the window. And you feel like the game is setting them up for a fall, and it does, but not in the way that you would expect. And... any questions that are like exist about this are just kind of left to well this or well that and it, okay this seems a little odd but whatever it, it took a turn from the question of the morality of you know essentially brainwashing to more of a getting too big for your britches type of thing you know that seemed to be the lesson they wanted to tell at the end and it kind of felt like it just shifted gears yeah, I really do. I really do feel like the game went into territory that I I think they felt they could approach in 5 because they didn't think that it was much different from what they did in 3 and 4 and they didn't realize that no, this is this is quite different from what you did in 3 and 4 and you, you know, should maybe think about this a little bit. I think that's pretty fair. Though going going on on this particular topic like Outside of the morality issue, the only other thing that I felt was an issue narratively is that the game starts off so strong. Yes, it does. You know, like, you you have the events with um, Suguru Kamushida, and just what a complete fucking dickbag this guy is. Just, oh my god, and then you get into the next guy, and it's bleh. Oh, I mean, what he's doing is is truly awful, but it, it... You don't really see the repercussions of it like you do with Kamachita, which I think was a big part of it. You like you really specifically saw horrible things. They even did a special cutscene for it with, with, with animations that appeared to have been mocap for crying out loud. But like it was this whole big production, and it was something so hard hitting and so personal that you were just left in astonishment. And then later on, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, this guy does some bad things. They're bad. You gotta stop them. Just for some of them, anyway. Yeah, they they made they made Kamoshida's hit really close to home with crimes that have been deemed like the most heinous by yeah. most societies. You know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever is these are crimes that are generally considered in most societies to be the shits. And the the fact that you are able to get to know Kamoshida as well as you are and you see the type of impact that he has. Like, it, it brings it all to ground level. And then, like, you know, well, the the next guy... The next guy is, is um a fucking thief. Like, a thief and a perjurer. And, like, well, you know, somebody died because of it, but it's, you know... You're not going to compare forgery and theft to rape. I mean, he's, he's still a little bit worse off than forgery and theft, you know, because he also intentionally ruins people. Uh, he... You know, makes financially and professionally. I mean, it's it's still not as bad, obviously. But 
I think it definitely would have helped for that if we had really seen it. Uh, it kind of got told to us at the end of that dungeon. Well, not the end of the dungeon, but... Yeah, that's that's also a good point. It's like, you know, like right in the beginning, we're introduced to the ideas of, like, the themes of the dungeon, what's going on, etc. And they, they, like, bring it in more and more, and we get to the point where there's a big revelation at the end of that dungeon that, like, you know, sucks and is awful, but... It's still, it's just like, you're, you know, you're asking me to associate hundreds of people who've been ruined and one person who died that I'm supposed to care about because, you know, they're directly related to a person I might care about. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this other one, again, you know, like, rape is a big fucking thing and we're given, like, an eye-level view of this, including somebody, like, on camera trying to kill themselves. Like, it's, it's... The first dungeon brings it real fucking close to home. It really fucking gut punches you. Like, we don't see, really anyway, the victims of for many of the other bosses. You know, obviously the, the recruited character for each dungeon is kind of, or really is a victim. But it's not the same thing as getting to meet that character in, in the beginning. And, you know, everyone kind of liked her and you felt sorry for her, and then, bam. On top of all the other stuff that happens, and you're really given a chance to know this, you're actually given a character to care about. That's the big difference, and you're not given that for a lot of the other dungeons. It's it's just an extra step or two, and it makes all the difference in terms of the impact. Like with with a horror film, you don't care about the guy who dies in the first ten seconds. You care about like your favorite character who made it almost to the end of the movie and then gets acted at the last minute. It's kind of like the same general idea because we are showing this character because we meet her because we talk to her briefly because one of our other characters talks to her we, we see several scenes with her and then we find out this happened and it hits like a, a you know a punch to the gut because we like her yeah and yeah, subsequent chapters just don't have that yeah it's, it's like I feel like the second to last boss is the closest that we get yeah to having that kind of feeling because that guy's a piece of shit and we hate him Oh yeah, see that that was really I, I felt really well done long form storytelling, and that worked out perfectly. But a lot of those middling dungeons, not middling, but middle dungeons, were actually okay. I guess kind of middling because of how impactful that first one was. It could get somewhat slow at points. I definitely felt, in particular, the second chapter felt slow again, mostly because of what the first chapter. I didn't necessarily feel like the second chapter was terribly slow. I I did feel like that as they went on. Uh, the dungeon designs became a little bit harder for me to really want to tolerate. But that's not really anything new for people who followed along. I wasn't super thrilled with the dungeon designs in Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I'm just, I don't necessarily feel like Atlas has the best ideas in mind when it comes to designing static dungeons, shall we say. That's fine. I actually really enjoyed it. There's like, maybe I think one that, I kind of got annoyed with, but for the most part, I, fairly, I enjoyed them quite a lot. I, I found the gimmicks to be a little much. They didn't detract from my experience on the whole, but I was happier to see the back of a few of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've been running around for the same dungeon for like four or five hours, you're always happy to see them. Especially, especially in a game like, like Persona, where you're always on the clock with your SP running out. And like, you know, I'm going to have to waste another day on my calendar to go back to this dungeon to go and try to finish it. Unless this, the end of this dungeon is within like the next little bit, because I, I am on the last sliver of SP that I have. 
And then it just keeps going, and you're like, well, fuck this book. Because I, I don't want to waste another day on my calendar when I'm already worried if I, if I have enough time to get my social links out of the way. I think that's an aspect of Persona that that really works against its favor in terms of content design. Yeah, and it's again, that, that, that kind of comes down to how we choose to play it. Again, I play on safety because I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Like, I get why people choose to play Mega Ten games for the difficulty. I appreciate that that is there for those people. I'm not that guy. I will never be that guy. I played through the original Personas. I played Nocturne. I played Digital Devil Saga. You, you know, I played those games back when you didn't have a choice and those games just fucked you in the butt and you dealt with it. So now that I'm at a point where I don't have to deal with that, I'm not going to fucking deal with that. If if the game is going to give me, you know, five levels up on the enemies and I'll pretty much get enough SP that I can survive this dungeon, fucking good. I don't want to deal with that shit. You see, I just play on normal because it's well, That's just how I was. I mean, I will lower or raise the difficulty based on how I feel on things going. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, like, I got so pissed at one of the Mario RPGs I just said, fuck it, it's fucking uneasy for the final boss because I just did not want to deal with that game anymore. Or, uh, what was it, Brutal Legend. I just got so annoyed trying to figure that game out, I just said, fuck it, I'll stick it uneasy just so I can see more Jack Black and Ozzy Osbourne interacting. But I don't necessarily feel that this was a particularly difficult game on normal. It just, it, you did definitely get that uh, anxiety because you did want to get through the dungeon in one shot if you could, and sometimes it just ran out of stuff. And you were like, fuck. Now I can't hang out with uh, Ryuji tomorrow. Although I never said that about Ryuji. So I guess that's a bad example. I mean, I never said that about Ryuji either, but I like Ryuji perfectly fine. And I, I actually kind of want to, I kind of want to get into this. At the time that I was first coming to the end of Persona 5, I wasn't really sure how to feel about the characters with with some time between beating the game and starting up a second playthrough to reflect on it a bit. I, I'm kind of at a point where I'm not 100% sure if I like the characters from 4 or 5 better because, like, here's my mentality. In part 4, I definitely had, you know, one or two really favorite characters. Like, I liked all of the characters, but there's one or two where you're like, you know, if I'm going to go through a playthrough, I'm always going to max out these social links first if I can. I'm always going to be in a, a dating relationship with this character because she's best grill or whatever. Yeah. And in Persona 5, I don't really have that. And I'm not 100% sure if it's because one or two of the characters in Persona 4 was so good that nothing in Persona 5 touches it, or if it's because several of the characters in Persona 5 are so good that I just can't pick a particular one favorite. Like, a lot of people on social media, and I would imagine that you are to a certain extent in this boat, are like, Makoto is best grill. Yes. Like, Makoto is best character. And I don't think so, but it's not that I don't like Makoto. Like, this isn't a case where I'm saying you're nuts, this character is better. I just think that there are several characters who are really good in the game, and I do think Makoto is good, let's be clear. 
I think she's a good character who I do have flaws with narratively. But I think that there are so many other characters that are as good that I'm just like, no, I, I think I agree with you that she's good. I just don't think that she's the best one. I think that there are several characters who are equally as good as her. Well, I mean, that could also just be your own personal tastes. I didn't necessarily quality of the game itself in terms of it comparing it to four. Because I, I think in many ways I pers- I, I felt that way about four. I honestly do like I know we joke about, you know, me and Rise, but I really don't have a favorite in that in terms of who I'd rather spend time with. I have non favorites. <laughs> you know what I mean? Characters I'm just like, oh well, I guess you're technically a character in the game that I have to interact with. But I don't have a character where I'm like, well this is this is the the one I have to go with. And I do have that in five. So I think that just might be our own personal taste coming through. I mean, possibly. Like, again, it's it's. I feel like there are several really strongly written characters in five, in general, and like I feel like the, there are characters who are strongly written in four as well. But it's just like I feel like there are just a lot of really great, solid characters who have great, solid storylines in five. Oh yeah. That, like, not necessarily the case in 4, like, like, take Naoto as an example, okay? Naoto's narrative to get to the point where she joins the party is great. Naoto's storyline as part of her social link? Eh. Yeah. We went and we solved a bunch of mysteries so that we could remember what she felt like being a kid again. That was weird. Fuck off. Like, it was fine, it's just, it's just, really? This is the thing? Okay. Whatever. Like... I could I could more readily sympathize with the stuff that was going on with a lot of the social links here than I could with some of the characters in four. I mean, I guess the, like for example, I like Ryuji like roughly ten to twenty times as much as I like Yosuke, but I felt Yosuke's social link was just significantly better. Yeah, no, Yosuke's social link is amazing. If Yosuke were consistently the character he is in his social link, he would be one of the best, if not the best, characters in Persona 4. But... I think that's actually a fair assessment. You have to mentally rectify regular Yosuke with social link Yosuke into one character, and it kind of drops his stock as a character somewhat. Because... Social Link Yosuke is great. He's a legitimately good dude who has to come to terms with so many different things about what he has lost, what his role is in the team, his jealousy and envy and everything else. And he feels like a a lived-in character. He feels like a legitimately good dude. Ryuji kind of feels like he has mostly made peace with the shit that he's been dealing with. And he, he... develops somewhat after the fact but by and large he feels like he's a character who's kind of gotten to the point where he has mostly ish made his peace with stuff and like he doesn't really go anywhere in his social link it's believable and he he helps like that's i feel like that's the major problem in fact between three four and five which is why which I think helps to inform why there are probably going to be narrative issues with these characters to a certain extent. 
In Persona 3, all of these characters evolve and grow and change as people independent of any interactions that you have with them. So their actual growth and, their actual growth and maturation in the story takes place within the story. And there are going to be people, and I have seen these people, who feel as though the fact that these characters grow and mature independent of your character, that they grow and mature on their own schedule as a part of the narrative, is the best thing. Mm. Okay, that's fine. Persona 4 they and Persona 5, these characters don't necessarily grow within the narrative. They have to grow within their social links to a certain extent. And Persona 3 and, and Persona 4 and 5 kind of flip-flop that. Persona 4 tries to make it as these characters have to accept the things about themselves, and they do. And, you know, thou am I, I art thou, boom, Persona. But then they have to kind of mentally reconcile themselves with this after the fact. Whereas in Persona 5, it's like they're kind of okay with who they are. And they just, they have to, they have that come to Jesus moment where they're like, no, this is bullshit and I'm not going to fucking deal with it. And then, like, they have nowhere to go emotionally because they didn't have to come to terms with anything new about themselves. Yeah, I mean, certain characters definitely pull through that. It, 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 and a lot of the non-party members get off or, or come off a lot better because they don't have that awakening moment. Like, uh, I think Mishima, no matter what the list of other people say, has a really nice curve in terms of his uh, art. But he has a nice arc. Oh yeah, his his arc is one of the strongest in the game. And you know, you compare that to you compare that to some of your party members, and it's just uh, and particularly on and Ryuji. I, I think uh, Yusuke and Makoto. I think I think they go places with theirs. Yeah, but I feel like Ry Yusuke really only works like at maximum efficiency if you can appreciate the plight of the artist who has lost his ability to art, I suppose. Well, not, well, not just that. He, he's also essentially lost his father. That was that was really, I felt, the point of his storyline there. There was a divide, and that was the whole reason for his artistic slump. And he needed to figure out a way to come to terms with that. Yeah, it's like, I feel like, well, the, the world has changed. You know, the scales have been lifted from his eyes, or whatever, but... The world has changed for him a lot in, like, 24 hours. And his his life is dramatically different on many different levels. So mm -hmm. you, you still kind of have to, to a certain extent, be able to appreciate his core plight. Because, like, the major way that he's expressing it is, help, help, I can't art anymore. And, like, I appreciate where it goes, but I feel like, you know, it, it requires you to get a certain amount of why this is a problem. Like, I, I feel like the core idea of it works, but the way that they choose to express it can obfuscate the true meaning of what's going on here. It's a very, it's a very Persona 4-esque social link evolution, I think. I, I think where I'm coming from, it, it felt like, they didn't really express this properly at all. I, th I think you're right in that. But, you know, the whole... It was all, like, metaphorical. Exactly. And the thing is, is that I think you have to be in tune with the fact that it is that metaphor. Because Persona 4 speaks through its social links a lot in metaphor. And Persona 5 kind of doesn't. So, I, I guess it's... 
better in hindsight than it might have been going through it first. Yeah. I think that's the case. I also feel like they, like, you can see where there are similarities in how they do specific things and how, like, between 4 and 5 with the social links now, some of the social links don't come off as well as they could have. Like, Risa and Alan's social links are very similar in concept to one another. Yeah. The execution is... is it's way different. different level. Yeah, like, like Risa has all that, you know... I don't want to go back to doing this anymore because I lost who I was transmitting into I was doing this for the wrong reasons. Now I understand, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be the best I can be, all that shit. Whereas with five, it's just kind of I'm going to be a model because this person who's bagging on me is really cool. What? Yeah, I I get the feeling that like if the game extended for another few months, she would just changed her mind, which is kind of sad considering that was supposed to be her ultimate resolve, but it, it, it didn't feel like it was really a passion for her. I, I don't know. I, I was not happy with her with her social link. There there was, I think it would have been better served, what, what was it, her, like, seventh or eighth in there where she starts dealing with the events that happened in chapter one. She more directly deals with it. I think it would have been better served going down that route, even if that route was a bit more obvious than what they did, because it it felt a lot more personal with that, whereas all the stuff with modeling, she never even talks about it outside of that social link. Like, she just doesn't seem to care. Whereas, I mean, like, were you just saying with the track? I mean, the track thing can, comes up throughout the game. It's even, like, a core plot point during <laughs> during towards the end. It's pretty great. But with On, it, the modeling doesn't seem to matter. And then her social link is like, okay, no, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Then care, you know? Uh... I don't think anyone else suffers from that problem. Well, I feel like An doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. And yeah. a certain amount of what's going on there is her kind of figuring out what she wants to do with her life, which is fine. But it it feels very focused on the wrong things or just plain unfocused in a lot of cases. I guess I also just felt I didn't believe her. I, I thought basically the shine had worn off of modeling and it got polished because she had a rival. I think the shine would fall off fairly soon down the road. It would fall right back off. That was def. That's definitely fair. I mean, that, that's how I felt at at the end of her thing. Like, I, I didn't. I I just didn't feel like it was going to stick. So it it just didn't resonate at all. I feel like she needed a purpose, and I feel like the rival definitely gave her a purpose. But also, everything that happened with her friend helped to reinforce that purpose to a certain extent. I, I think it gave her. Resolve for sure. It's it's hard to articulate. I, I just just she's kind of a flaky character in general. A, a very a very good character, but you know the, 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 a little flaky. It it, it it always just felt like during conversations with her during the social link, you just kind of like, yep, okay, on, yes, you, you'll be great in action movies. Okay, now you now you're sure you want to be a model. All right, like you just nodding along. That's what it felt like for me anyway. Yeah, and it's like. The character who you meet in the first, like, three or four hours of the game and that character feel like they're at odds with one another to a certain extent. Like, I feel like on on the whole works, but there are parts where you're just like, all right, this is what we're doing now, huh? Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love how she is for the rest of the game, outside of her social link. She's amazing. So, real quick to put, like, before we move on from this topic, though, 
best character do you think if you if if gun was put to your head and you had to pick somebody best character worst character uh well makoto wins best character hands down i mean i fell in love with her because i thought her character was amazing and then it turned out she was awesome in battle too but uh worst character are we, are we talking party members? Are we talking anybody? Let's keep it to party members and social links. I mean, I think I I still think I feel like Honest is probably one of my least favorite social links. She's by far not the worst character. Uh, yeah, probably the reporter that I, that I spent significant time with. Probably Oya, or if that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, I, I have a feeling that if I if once I finish off the fortune. One, I'm probably going to agree with you on that. But, you know, I've seen all that Oya has, and it just wasn't interesting to me. I spent the entire length just hanging out at the bar. And the other character, Lala, was, I thought, far more interesting, and I wanted to talk to her more. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree on that part. I don't dislike Oya, but, yeah, like, her, her narrative... No, I think she's just boring. Yeah, like, her, her narrative goes in a very specific direction that's just kind of there. I don't dislike her. I don't think her narrative is bad. I just don't care about her narrative. Yeah. I would say probably if I had to pick a best character at this point, I'm going to probably go with the Doctor. No? Just because I thought her characterization was interesting, and they do enough with her in the narrative overall that she stays an interesting character all the way to the end of the game. Plus, the way that she copes with things as a romance social link in the last two sequences that you get in the game was actually kind of amusing. And it's only like they, they gave her a characterization that I felt legitimately worked and that more of the side characters in Persona 3 and Persona 4 really could have used, I think. So, just a quick pause. It's kind of, we, we both picked the character that we ended up dating as our favorite. Now, I've also noticed, because I've moved on my second playthrough far enough where I am dating someone again, that that character, which is the teacher, has moved up in my estimation. So I wonder if just the romance is just a nice little boost for whoever you happen to pick. That's possible. I do want to... I've seen the romance subplots for almost every romanceable character. Like, I made game saves of them to go back to later if we need to do it for livestream purposes. But I have not seen the Hawaii event with everyone. I have not seen the Christmas event with everyone. And I haven't seen the Valentine's Day event with everyone. I've seen two Hawaii events with two different people. And one I was dating, one I wasn't. They were eerily similar. Like a shocking amount of shrimp. Yeah. I, I don't 100% get that. Like, oh, we, we all went on the same path. I yeah, which is, which is why I said some of the some of the side events, some of those events just felt flat for me. The Hawaii trip was one of them. I appreciated where they were going with it, and to be quite honest, it's not like the game has like the the franchise hasn't done that before. If you do the New Year's Day event in Persona Four with the different characters, the only character who goes to any type of great lengths for it to be different is Naoto, who's just like what you. What, was I supposed to show up in something? Oh, my bad. Yeah, something like that. Like, everybody else does, and she's just like, oh, was that really a thing that you wanted? Fuck, alright. I'm not gonna do that, but... Uh, it's hard, I, I'm more so comparing the whole trip, in terms of where the story went. 
uh, compared to like say just like the, the camping trip from Persona Four, or even the ski trip. Like I, I felt, I, I just felt the Hawaii trip, despite the exotic location, it just kind of been like, went, wow, this place kind of sucks. That was the entire trip. To be fair, it's also because you're comparing Hawaii and what they do in Hawaii to Tokyo. Like, in Persona 4, all the trips that they do were neat because they live in the middle of bumfuck nowhere and it sucks. In Persona 5, like, they live around, like, a hell of a lot of really awesome shit. So, like, you go to Hawaii and, you know, like, the, the characters are complaining, fuck, this isn't really a lot different from being in Tokyo. There's even a fucking Big Bang Burger, which admittedly is a plot setup, but it's also worth noting that they're like, fuck, this place isn't really a lot different, you know? Like, there's... I, I feel like there's something there to that idea. So it's... I, I feel like... I feel like there's a reason for it in that way. That said, though, I, I do feel like the individual events are generally better than the group events. Though, the buffet event was kind of neat. Like, later on when they do stuff, it's just like, oh, we're hanging out at the bar again. Or at the coffee house again, or whatever. Some of these side events, the smaller ones, the spur-of-the-moment ones, were always better. Which, again, might be an intentional thing they did. Which, if so, were cool. Like, yes. the hot pot yes. was fantastic, I thought. So, it, it definitely seemed to be a theme where the planned events always fell flat. Anything they did at the spur-of-the-moment turned out really interesting, both for them and for us. It doesn't seem like it, that, that would be a coincidence. I don't, I also don't feel like, like, I feel like their major thing was making the game work, because again, like, you know, there weren't really a lot of super big events as a group in Persona 4, either, but Persona 4 Golden added in a bunch of groups and, like, unique dates that you could do, which helped a lot, but it wasn't really necessary to the experience, and I think that that's probably going to be a focal point if or when they do make some type of an update. But anyway, which character do you hate? Since we're going to get on that later. Yeah, like, but but to answer your core question, I I do feel like you know I'm probably going to end up dating the teacher this time around, unless uh, there's a big public outcry, and I feel like she's probably going to move up some spaces once I see those events too. So. Oh yeah. But that having been said, Morgana for a lot of different reasons. Part of it is the reason that we've already discussed, which we'll get into more in the spoiler section, I think. But part of it is also that Morgana occupies literally the spot that I didn't want Morgana to fucking occupy. The teddy spot? Yes. Yeah. And I saw that shit with Igus, and I didn't like it, but I gave it a pass. I saw that shit with Teddy. I didn't like it, but I was like, fine, whatever. Don't do it again. And they literally did it again. Like, the only thing that was different was he didn't have fucking ice powers. Yeah. It's not. It's not that he's like Teddy. It's that the core point is... He's, you know, this this magical fucking entity yeah. who, like, is doing, like, some sort of thing where they're directly related to the shit that you're dealing with. And he also occupies the guide until you get to the point where his guiding ability no longer works, and then you get another guide spot that Teddy specifically occupied in Persona 4. So it's more of a mechanic thing, then. It's not just that, it's... The fact that we're still revisiting this same shit. I don't think we need the guide who sucks at being a guide until we get a proper guide thing anymore, for starters. Well, even though they don't suck, they just somehow gradually start getting worse. 
Yes. Yes. Like, in Persona 3, they do that with Masuro, where she's like, look, I just, I can't do what you need me to do. My, my skills are only so good at this. And then you just happen to come across Fuka. And great, now she can do this. Okay. Then Persona 4 comes up, and Teddy's like, oh, well, I just, I can't do what you want me to do anymore. I can't do this. And, oh, now you get Risei, magically. And now in Persona 5, it's, you know, you get to a certain point, and Morgana's like, I can't do what you want me to do. And they're like, oh, well, it's fortunate that that happens right in the dungeon where we get the character that's going to fucking replace you, isn't it? Really? It was a little... It, it, I think it, with him, it was less he couldn't do it. It, it. It was more he didn't have as many answers as he had let on. It, it, it definitely hit the same beat. But it, it, I, I think there's a something on that's it's a bit more spoilers to talk about. But it was definitely fairly cheap. They reused so many of the same story beats. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just like, I, I really just wish they would stop doing that. You know, like, I really just wish that there was a certain point where the, like, they would come up with a different idea. Like, maybe just start from that fucking point, please. If nothing else. Repeating it in one game, okay. This is, because, because you end up playing, like, you know, the extra games and whatnot, this is the fifth, sixth fucking time I've seen this. Can we not? So, yeah, there's that. By and large... Despite whatever negatives we've mentioned here, I feel like Persona 5 more than lived up to the hype that had been centered around it, and I'm pretty goddamn sure it's going to be my game of the year, just because everything mostly works. Oh, I, I say it, it surpassed the hype, which just seems impossible. I mean, I, I've been hyped to hell on things before, gone and played them, and ended up feeling disappointed as hell because there was no way they could live up to it. And I was scared shitless. That was kind of with Persona 5. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I am super excited for this game. I pre-ordered it like a year ago. And I, I damn near had a celebration when it showed up in the mail. And I never stopped loving it. I think there was like a brief part in Chapter 2 or something like that. Because I had been playing the game so much. Where anything that wasn't absolutely fantastic was, you know, driving me a little down. And then it just picked right back up and it never stopped. I think that was, again, what we're talking about with Chapter 1 just being so impactful that there was going to be a drop-off. But then, it, you know, it, it, just, it didn't plateau or anything like that, which is what the fear would have been. It built back up, and it crescendoed nicely. No, I agree. It, it, it definitely had a point where there was a really hard hit in that first couple of hours, and then it dropped but brought itself back to where it needed to be by the end. Like, there was never there was never a point where I was like, fuck, this game just won't fucking end. Like, I know, I know Sean was talking about that to a certain extent, and, like, I guess if you are in the position where, you know, you, you have, like, a kid and, like, two hours, three hours a day that you can commit to a game, I can see how this would be, like, you know, a month-long game. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'm not at that spot yet. And I feel like if you're not at that spot, this is going to be the kind of game that ends exactly where it needs to end, goes on for as, exactly as long as it needs to go on, doesn't wear out its welcome, and still kind of leaves you feeling like you would want more from it. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt with it. The one thing that's interesting to me is that within the past month, Atlas has registered a shitload of domain names that more than a few people have speculated 
implies a whole bunch of spin-off titles and probably some type of updated version of Persona 5, a la a Persona 4 Golden, which what I'm taking to calling Persona 5 Crimson because red is the arc color. And I'm kind of wondering, what could you add to this game that isn't already here? I would say you could simply add more events. Just just like what they did with Golden for that. Just more time where the characters are just hanging out. They're, they're not doing anything case-related or, or you know story-related. Just something comes up. Something stupid, like you have to throw together an impromptu concert. That kind, you know, that kind of. Thing. I thought that was awesome. A Persona Four Golden, because it, it felt like they had a chance to breathe and just be like high school kids in a wacky situation, which for the tone of Persona Four really fit. So you'd have to figure out something else for Persona Five that fit its themes. But I think that they could come up with some things like that, especially given time. I do agree. But the one thing that I think is kind of concerning in how they do this sort of stuff is, in Persona 4, it is decidedly implied that the characters, you know, have everything that they have, and it just goes forward from there. So when you do Persona 4 Golden, they add on a bunch of time. Without getting into the specifics of it, when you hit the end of Persona 5, as far as it relates to how the story content goes... That's it. They they quite definitively say, you know, for a couple of reasons, you, you know, you're not doing this anymore. The, the characters, for all logistical intents and purposes, are done being the Phantom Thieves by New Year. It, it wouldn't be out of the realm possibility to stretch things out a little bit. I, I, you could even cut a specific part of the game, I feel, and then fill in that time. What happens to you at Christmas is what I basically mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th th that was a whole blank slate of time for a while, where it, it feels like they might even be setting it up to fill that time. And I don't, it, it, I don't think it would hurt the story one bit. It, I, I honestly felt that seems a little bit weird, and almost a little cheap way to just skip forward time a bit. So they could put something there. They could. It, it, it wouldn't involve combat or you know, anything really heavy story stuff, but they could put lighter stuff in there. The one thing that's also really concerning to me is I, I do feel like they're probably going to undo that concept, like what they end up doing sooner rather than later because they of all the spinoff games they want to make. So I kind of wonder if they maybe didn't think that through so good. Or if they have something else that they're thinking of. Yeah, like, I don't see them adding on DLC as it relates to, like, actual missions or anything, but I definitely feel like they should have thought that through better, or that they should have made it apparent that they knew where they were going with that, if you're intending to do all kinds of side stories and shit. Well, I mean, look at Persona 4. They, that essentially happened with them, that the TV world just disappeared. They still thought up a shit for you to do in Persona 4 Arena. They still shot up shit for you to do in Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Persona Q happened. To be fair, to be fair, the TV world didn't disappear. It became good again. Well, yeah, but they didn't go back to it and it was suddenly bad again or anything like that. They went to different things, right? Like, I'm not misremembering. <laughs> well, it seemed like it kind of, like, it became sort of at least partially the shitty TV world again. At least that's how they presented it in the fighting game. But who fucking knows? I, well, at, at the very least, the Persona universe is all connected. So this place at you know there's all these different verses the tv world the metaverse and tartarus it, it, it seems 
fairly easy to just say, oh, look, another one popped up, and somehow you have access to it. I mean, it would be kind of cheap, but unless they wanted to undo what they did in Persona 5, they might have to do that. They wanted to add that kind of content for spinoffs or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, would, it would be an excuse, but I think apart from initial, like, ugh, we probably wouldn't care as long as the product end product ended up being good. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like for a game that accidentally took off as much as Persona 4 did, and for a game that, you know, was still such a bedrock of foundation that Persona 3 was, I felt like they did a better job of establishing places they could go than they do with Persona 5, a game that they pretty much knew from jump they were going to be exploding the shit out of. I, I think that comes down to where they wanted what they want to do with the story with the stealing of hearts and if you leave that open i think that because when do they stop why would they stop no i agree like i i agree like the thing that they do is good how they choose to wrap it up is good in that regard i just feel like there probably should have been a way that it was more obvious for us on the outside to see how they get to these guys also being in a fucking underground fighting tournament with the characters from P4 and P3. Or these guys dancing to the music against Shadows. You know, like, I'm not saying that it should be, like, extremely obvious what they're going to do. I just, I look at it and I'm like, how the fuck do you even get there in the first place? And it, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like, I feel like they, they had a better path of continuation for 3 and 4 than they do with 5, and I, I feel like that's going to be odd. Like I said, it's almost certainly going to be something cheap. Yeah, and just, I suppose. It, it's going to take, they're going to probably do what they do in a lot of Japanese games. They're going to over-explain it for two two minutes or something like that, and then they'll never talk about it again. Yeah, I mean, like, it's almost certainly going to be another fucking cosmic entity comes in and does fucking whatever, so yeah. I guess there's really not any point in worrying about it too much. I, I, I am interested to see where they go with it, and I am interested to see how they would do an, an advanced version of Persona 5. Like, that's the one thing that's really concerning about a Persona 5, is that if you add on extra events, you have to open up that time elsewhere. Yeah. The game was, the game was pretty packed, it, so there, there's not really a whole lot of calendar space that could be free. So if you add another social link, there, then it, it just becomes a headache. Even if you just add in, like, extra events for the characters to go on. Like, you add on some type of additional thing for the characters to do. I don't know what you would do exactly, because, you know, they, they do a couple of get-togethers. They do different things. You actually have them sing karaoke. Yeah, I could see them doing a karaoke event. That'd be kind of neat. But again, okay, let's say you do a karaoke event. That's a day that you have to fill in somewhere else. Yeah. If you do a bigger event, because, like, they didn't do a Hot Springs thing, which, you know, on one hand, thank fucking Christ we didn't have to put up with that for the third goddamn game in a row. Yeah, they just did a public bath. Yeah, and you know what? I'm fine with that. I, I fucking hated the the Hot Springs events in Persona 3 and 4. Really? Yes. The Hot Spring event in Persona 3 was just the guys being accidental perverts and then getting the shit kicked out of them if you fucked that up. The hot spring event in four, just uh, that was the moment where I was like, "Why is Yunarukami friends with these people?" 
Like, seriously. You get royally fucking dicked over because the girls are selfish jerks. And then you're screwed into following these dumb dickheads that you're friends with uh, into jumping into bed with people that you want nothing to do with. It's just everybody conspires to make your life miserable and you don't get the option to just say, no, I don't want to do this. You're fucking dumb. I still found it hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, I don't know. I've seen it. I've seen that kind of shit in like a million different animes at this point. Oh, yeah. So the more anime you watch, the, I, I, if I don't see a Hot Springs episode in an anime, I'm absolutely shocked. Like, I'm expecting one on Attack on Titan. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they'll fit it in. I mean, that's fair, <laughs> but it's just like, it's just, I don't know. Like, in general, it's just looking at all the characters and like the, again, just the girls are all like, Oh, we accidentally took the wrong time. Should we tell the guys? Nah, fuck them. Yeah, no, that was it. So, like, you know, like, everybody gets beamed in the head with fucking wooden, with wooden fucking buckets, and that shit looks like it hurts. And then it's just like, nope, nope, fuck you, you know, and then you, you end up, like, diving into bed with fucking awful people because your guy friends are idiots, and it's, really? This is what I have to put up with in my life? I'll say, but anytime anything bad happened to Yosuke, I just felt like he deserved it, and if I happen to take a little bit of that myself... Well, I do hang out with Yosuke too much, so I probably deserve it as well. Look, all I'm saying is is that, like, your character gets needlessly abused because of, like, this shit, and it's just, ugh. Like, why am I friends with these people? Like, in Persona 5, they don't have... I, I can't think of an... I can't... I can't think of an event in Persona 5 where you're like, why am I friends with these people? I mean, I... I, I there, there were several scenes with, uh... Ryuji, where I was like... I, yeah, I just wanted to smack him or something like that. But in general, no. There, there, there was mostly awkward stuff. I feel like there weren't any moments where it's just like, why am I friends with all of these fucking assholes? They're, like, the stuff that happened was more meaningful, I guess, and less random comedy. And I, I felt like there was definitely some good comedy that went on. I, I just felt like there, what was here was much less, fuck these people, fuck everything that they stand for, and more just like, oh, that happened. Yeah, I think that's due to the, the overall tone of the game, what, why they went that way. You know, yeah, getting no hot springs saying they didn't get quite as, like, you know, you know they kind of, like, you caught a bit. Where, like, it was only Ryuji who even seemed to give a shit. Yeah. And everyone else was kind of, it, like, that, that, that whole tone is just a little more mature. Yeah. Which I think is, is what it all boils down to. Yeah, I can definitely see that. All right, well, as far as the non-spoiler-ish content, I think we've hit about everything that we're going to hit. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think we're good. All right, well, for those of you who came for the non-spoiler-ish content, just general discussions, things of that nature, this is going to be the part where you're going to want to drop out. So thank you for coming. And for the rest of you who are here for the more in-depth discussions, we'll be back with you in a minute.